0: Welcome, you are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Our Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His Kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurr dot Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast.
1: Good evening. Uh, This is David Murray. I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. This is Blood Talk Radio, uh, the portal. And tonight's broadcast is um, Zeal for Your House. And uh, we are going to be talking about healing. Uh, And we're going to be looking at the nature of Elijah the prophet and Elisha the prophet and how this fits into the Lord giving us pictures of how he wants us to heal. Before I do, I just want to say hello, as always, and shout out to Dorothy. Dorothy, how are we doing tonight? We're doing okay. You just cut out for a little bit, so we didn't hear after the and. I couldn't tell if you were dropping or just. Oh, boy. Well, we'll try to see. Hopefully we'll make the best of this. Let me know if I drop out on anything, Dorothy, and um, I'll keep an eye on it. I'm still working on trying to get some reliable audio. My Wi-Fi over here is spotty. Okay, so what we're going to be talking about tonight is healing, Uh, and we're going to be looking at um, the prophet Elijah and Elisha and talking about healing and how healing, uh, how these men represent the heart of God and for healing. Uh, We are living in a time and a season, I've been saying this for about the last year and a half, the Lord has entered the body of Christ into a time where we're meant to heal. We're meant to heal from old, festering wounds. We're meant to heal from shame and insecurity. We're meant to heal from anger and unforgiveness. Uh, most of the illnesses, the physical illnesses that take place within our bodies have its origins in our soul. What, uh, the poison that is in our soul that we've allowed Satan to get in there through ignorance or through willful cooperation Um, often manifests in our body. When our body is younger, it can handle a lot of the the shame and the pain and the fear and the unforgiveness. But as we get older, our temples start to short-circuit. That's why the scriptures say that he will quicken your mortal bodies if the Spirit of God lives in you. Meaning as the Spirit of God is allowed to permeate through our mind, will, and our emotions, it flows out and it actually brings life to our carnal bodies. They don't hear a lot of teaching on that, but it's a wonderful scripture verse. He will quicken your mortal body. Uh, now, when the Holy Spirit enters into us, he breathes life. We become born again in our spirit. But there's the life of the kingdom that is meant to flow out of our hearts and into our physical bodies. We're a triune being. So in this time, we're going to talk about tonight, this season, about what God is doing in this hour. So first... We're going to talk about how healing begins and how it manifests. The, the first part is let's talk about how do we heal? How does it begin? So, as we said, many in the body of Christ, uh, the Lord has been showing me, are dealing with a lot of unforgiveness, uh, a lot of confusion, a lot of anger. Um, some people, uh, this manifests by having very fractured lives. Uh, you know, we are we don't have peace in our thoughts, we don't have peace in our lives, in our with our neighbors, with our relatives. And for others of us, we're very well adjusted. Outside, we appear very normal. Right? We appear like, you know, are, we're doing great, that we have a good job, you know, we're well liked. We appear, quote unquote, normal. But on the inside, there's still issues that God is trying to get a hold of. So it doesn't matter how we look outwardly. What God looks at, as we know, is the heart. And that's what he's interested in. He's interested in getting to what makes us tick. And anything that is not of the fruit of the Spirit, his joy, his love, his Sabbath rest, uh, his peace, um, the gifts of the Spirit, which are meant to flow through us freely as expressions of love toward others. If, if, If these are off, if we're missing in these, it doesn't mean God loves us any less. Scriptures make it very clear He loves us fully he died to set us free he died to reconcile us to himself so if we're not experiencing that that sense of his love if we are shackled by shame by bitterness by unforgiveness by fear it's the season brothers and sisters to be set free from these things and here's some of the things of how we access this we're going to be looking at 2 kings 5 and then 2 kings chapter 6 Now, 2 Kings 5, um, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, talks about – well, let's give a little bit of background. You have – the nation of Israel is in so much rebellion that uh, the Lord sent the Syrian empire to begin invading the land, and the Syrian king sent out his generals to begin plundering the land, and so – We have at about 800 BC, we have um, Israel is in a really bad state. The northern kingdom is being constantly raided and plundered by these pagans, by these demon worshipers. Here's what's important. These people that did not have the covenant, that didn't know about God's love, were demon worshipers. They worshiped false gods that did speak to them, that did manifest to them. They were real demons that manifested. That's why the people thought they, were, they had the one true God or those, the true gods, plural, that they used to worship and not the Lord Almighty because these demons would manifest. Uh, scriptures give us plenty of examples of that. So let's read 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, meaning the king of Syria, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. The Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. Let's go on to uh, verse 3. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in in and told his master, meaning the king, thus and thus says the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And it goes on that um, the king of Israel is given this letter from the king of Syria. The king of Israel is very upset. He thinks he's trying to pick a fight with him. And Elisha says, why are you you upset about it? You know, verse 8 says, when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king and torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And the story goes on to say that Elisha told Naaman, the general, to go wash in the Jordan River seven times and be healed. There's a whole story within of that itself, how Naaman had to be humbled uh, and how he had to change his perspective and his outlook. But the end result is here is this demon worshiper, a pagan, who was slaughtering the children of Israel. And it was one of the servant girls that he had captured that actually told him, hey, the one true God lives in Israel, and this man, Elisha, the prophet, uh, has the true power, and he will heal you. And so Naaman, a demon worshiper, an enemy of Israel who served false gods, was healed
2: by Elisha. We're going to go on to here and says – I'm going to go on to here in verse
1: 18, uh, verse 17. Naaman said, Please let your servant be given two mules full of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimmon. When I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord please pardon your servant of this thing. Then he said to him, meaning Elisha, go in peace. So he parted from him a short distance. And then it went on to say that that general Naaman stopped raiding the land of Israel. I mean, we could – there are so many things we can touch basis on this, guys, but here's the thing that I, we're going to touch on in this on this passage. It was the undeserved,
2: unconditional, un.
1: It was the undeserved, unmerited love of God that caused that man to acknowledge the Lord as the one true God. It was the goodness and undeserved love of the Lord in healing him that changed that man's heart. This was a pagan worshiper, a demon
2: worshiper. And this changed the man's
1: life forever. We will see Naaman one day in heaven. That I'm convinced. He took earth back from Israel to his own land. And that's what he laid before him. And he would worship the Lord on the soil of Israel. And he's saying, when I go in and I, and I, and I allow my king to worship and to lean on me, while he bends and I bend down with him, please Please just excuse me. Ask the Lord to forgive me, excuse me, because that's not what's in my heart. Right today, we we, we 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 try to look for all sorts of reasons to judge one another. Oh, bad example, you're being a bear witness. Oh, how are you doing that? What does Elisha say? Go in peace. Lord, seize your heart. Here's my point, guys. It was God's love and goodness that turned this man. Now, here's something I want to talk about that we don't hear about much today. Elisha served under Elijah about six to eight years. When the Lord saw that Elijah was discouraged, and he said, I'm going to pass on this mantle to Elisha, you're going to raise him up. Elisha apprenticed under Elijah for about six to eight years. After Elijah went up to heaven, Elisha ministered under Ahab's reign about four years, give or take, before Ahab died. And then Elisha went on to fulfill his calling. Here's the difference between Elijah and Elisha. Elijah showed the love of God through fire, through holiness and
2: fire. Elisha showed the
1: love of God through healing and tenderness. And we need to embrace both. But if we attempt to embrace either, out of fear, out of shame, out of any of the lies of Satan, we're never going to really get to Father's heart. We have to understand that our heavenly dad is a God of love. And sometimes that love will manifest in fire. And sometimes it will manifest in tenderness. If we read all throughout the ministry of Elisha, we will see he performed exactly two times as many miracles as Elijah. And Elisha's ministry, the entire time that spanned 30 plus years, was healing and reconciliation. Every miracle he did was an invitation to reconcile. Look at his ministry. We don't talk much about Elisha. Because we don't like it. Because if there's ever an area where we're in unforgiveness, we don't like to talk about God's forgiveness. Because then that means we have to face the own issues and anger of our own heart. right? But guys, it's the love of God, his goodness that he wants to release to us. It is accepting his goodness that begins the healing process within us. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. This is another officer. It's another commander of the Syrian king. And it's going to start in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel again. And he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God said to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place in which the man of God told him. Thus he warned him he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Meaning what had happened was every time the king of Syria sent his commander to try to capture the king of Israel, Elisha let him know what was going on. And he, and he would escape every trap, every, uh, every um, pitfall, every ambush. Until so finally, the king of Syria gets so furious, he says, Where is the traitor? Find out who the traitor is in our camp. And the person said, No, king, please understand, there is a God in Israel who speaks to a prophet and he tells them every secret thing that you say. There's no way to outsmart him. So, what does the king of Syria do? He sends soldiers down to go. Uh, find Elisha to kill him. And the story goes on to say that Syria besieges um, this city, Dotham, and he attempts to pull down the city. So while the the, uh, Syrian army, led by this different commander, is trying to siege the city and kill everyone in it, including Elisha, Elisha asks the Lord to strike blind the army, which the Lord does, strikes them blind. Then it goes on to say that Elisha leads them into the center capital of uh, the king of the king of Israel. And after he goes into the king of Israel, suddenly the Lord uh, uh, Elisha says, "Now, Lord, open their eyes." And the men open their eyes from being blind, and they realize they've been led inside the inner gates of a fortified city. And the king of Israel says to Elisha, "Hey, basically, you've given us the enemy. Should we slaughter every one of these men now?" And Elisha says, no, no. Uh, let's go to verse 21. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 21. So it was when they had come to Samaria, so they go into the inner gates of Samaria now, that, the, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were inside Samaria. Then the king of Israel saw them. He said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered and said, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And it ends that they let them go. And it says, then the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Once again, guys, it was the love and mercy and goodness of God that changed the heart of these men. We, we talk about the love of God and the goodness of God, but we filter it through our own hurt and expectations. And we try to rewrite the way the Bible is written to fit around our own hurt. There are areas we want to give to God. There are areas we're not willing to let him talk to us about. And what happens, guys, is that gets us stuck. We can't really go into full healing if we don't really embrace the love of God and what he wants to do. We have to begin embracing that he's a good God. Please remember these examples. Now, this goes on throughout. If you ever want to read, a lot of times we want to read about Elijah, and we stop. saying, ah, it's Elisha. Ah, so what? He only did twice as many miracles. He's not Elijah. He didn't call down fire. If we would read the love of Elisha, we would begin to see a picture of God's love during the Mosaic Covenant. Right? The lowest covenant that was given, the one that was only added because of the sin nature of man to prove you can't earn salvation. That's what the book of Hebrews says. Scripture says, Galatians say, the law was added because of transgressions. It was never meant to be given.
2: So the the, under the Mosaic
1: Law, right, it was the Mosaic Law was designed to show us that we can't earn God's love, we can't earn his righteousness. Guys, it doesn't matter what camp we come from in the body of Christ. We attempt to do that in our own clever ways of self preservation whether it's you know looking to the law to find righteousness, whether it's looking to excessive grace and sloppy agape to hide from, from letting us, him dealing with our sin, to um, anything in between. We have to embrace he's a loving God. It is embracing the love of God that causes us to heal, to forgive others. Because we realize he loves us unconditionally. And as we realize how much he loves us, guys, that's what motivates us to change. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 2 says, it is the goodness of God. Stop despising the goodness of God. Don't you understand it's his tenderness that leads us to change? It's not his wrath that causes us to change. Wrath
2: causes us to change outwardly. It's his tenderness
1: that causes us to change inwardly. And we need to embrace he is a loving God and is that love that compels us to change. Jesus' earth ministry, he met with the people that were broken sinners. It was his love to them that changed them. His unconditional love to say, I have made you special. These actions are unworthy of who I say you are as my child. And it was his seal of love when they looked into his eyes and saw how much he loved them, that they said, man, I'm not, I don't want to live like this anymore. Because, guys, it's love that compels us to change. Not fear of man, not fear of condemnation, not fearing what people think. As we embrace his love and begin to meditate on it, the fear begins to break up. The anger and bitterness begins to break up. I want to read chapter We're going to go to Luke 4.25. Jesus tried to hit this home to the Pharisees. Uh, he said to them, Surely I say to you, no prophet is except in his own town. This is Luke 4.25. But I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout the land. But no one of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon. To a woman who was a widow. That Sabbath woman was an enemy to Israel, an enemy to those who were in the covenant. That would be the equivalent today of those that aren't born again Christians. Okay? So, there's 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all these were in the temple. When they heard these things, they were filled with wrath and rose to throw him and thrust him out of the city, to bring him to the brow of the hill in which to throw him over long on the cliff. But he passed right through the midst and went on his way. These these Israelites were so furious at their own history that Jesus was quoting. What was he saying? Guys, it's not the law that releases my goodness. The Israelites were working on the law. If I read enough, if I pray enough, if I'm sincere enough, if I cry enough out to God, if I confess to God how unworthy and how unholy I am, then maybe I can get him to move on my behalf. Guys, the kingdom doesn't work that way. And Jesus made it very clear in this passage. He showed his love and goodness to people that hated the nation of Israel, who hated the children of God, were demon worshippers. Guys, that's not my word. That is the word of God. And we have to stop contending with what God's word says about his nature. He is a loving God. That doesn't mean we can reject Christ and go to heaven because the atonement, a holy, perfect God who is love, cannot have sin in his presence. The atonement must be made. But for many of us, we're willing to say we accept his salvation, but we're not going to accept his love. And if we want to truly heal of our wounds, we have to begin accepting his love. Accepting that we are valuable in his eyes is what releases the shame, the fear, and the anxiety that we try to keep buried in us. That we try to distance our own selves from our own soul. Guys, we can't heal if we don't love, and we can't heal if we don't forgive. It's impossible to walk through true healing without repentance of pride. And, guys, I'm going to give you the definition of pride. Pride is to find self-worth and reject the love of God. Any area where we're finding worth in something other than that God says he loves us and he made us the righteousness of Christ, which is found in Colossians 1:21, 2 Corinthians 5. 17, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 10.10, 10, Hebrews 10.17. 10, scriptures are full of it. The whole new covenant is about righteousness. All the covenants pointed that he loves us and he, is going, he loves us so much he's going he's gonna to make us holy and perfect in his eyes. And then we start the journey of allowing that revelation of his love to change us so we live up to the standards of how he sees us. I'm going to say that again. Beginning to confess and accept his love is what begins to transform our hearts, heal our wounds, so that we live more and more after the image of how he sees us. We are called heirs and ambassadors to the throne. We can choose to live as paupers and slaves covered in fecal matter and dirt. It will never change. We are an heir to the throne. That's our problem, guys. That is not God's problem. It's our problem. Us choosing to roll around in crap – excuse me, I'm just going to be real, guys – roll around in dung, in garbage doesn't make us garbage. It simply says, I'm going to reject the fact that I'm heir to the throne. I'm going to reject what you say about me, Lord. I know what's best. I know what makes me feel good. I know what I'm willing to accept or not accept. And what we're accepting, guys, is, is, is demonic lies. And that's why we struggle with healing, because we can't heal without a revelation of who God says we are. So what's the application, guys? Both arrogance and unworthiness are rooted in pride. It's rooted in finding identity apart from who he says we are. There are spouses. There are brothers and sisters. There are friendships, neighbors, our coworkers, right? All throughout the body of Christ, we have all these different issues we try to hide from. He's asking us to bring those issues to him, to give them to him, and for us to receive that he's saying, I love you, child. Let go of what the lies of the world say. Let go of what the law says. If I show my love when you were sinners and you hated me, how much more do I want to reveal my love to you now that
2: you've received? Now that you've
1: received my gift of righteousness. Guys, remember, read – I really would encourage you, uh, read the story of the prophet Elisha. Everything in his ministry was healing and reconciliation during the time of Israel's greatest apostasy. So if we're judging the body of Christ and talking about judgments of God and the anger and wrath of God, or or God's upset with me, or, or I'm just not worthy. Guys, that's all garbage. It's just crap. And our Heavenly Father is is, is done with it. He wants sons and daughters that will walk with him, that are willing to say, you know what, Dad? Thank you for loving me. I accept it. I receive your gift. You're a good dad. I receive it. It does not honor him, guys, for us to walk around thinking we're we're shameful or we're falling short of his love or we're not doing enough for him, we're not being holy enough for him, we're not winning enough souls to Christ, right? We usually divide into different camps. Either we're we're, we're trying to win souls for Christ because we think we'll love him more, right? if, you know, or does the other end. I don't care about the loss. God hates everyone and he, I think he may not hate me if I outwardly do enough self-righteous acts to show my devotion to him. Guys, both of those are grounded in garbage. They're demonic belief systems. That's not me. That's the word of God that states that. You won't find any of that thinking in covenant, in the new covenant. You won't find any of that thinking in the old covenant if we read it in context. Right? Jonah the prophet wanted to slaughter all the all the people in the northern kingdom of Assyria. And the Lord says, No, I'm going to show them mercy. They don't know their right hand from their left, and their city is filled with cattle. Should I not show mercy on them? Right? That blew Jonah's mind away. The last verse of that book was God's love. Elisha was called to bring the people to repentance by showing the reconciliation unmerited. Guys, Ahab was the worst king in history. No other king. Was offered the chance to draw into the Lord as the one true God as Ahab was So guys if we have a, if our theology doesn't line up with the Word of God, god's not going to change we've we, we got to change our theology or we have the choice to live to live in the pigsty of our own lies and our own hurt and unforgiveness. It's our choice He loves us either way, so praise God. I lived both ways. The new wine skin is a lot better. I can tell you that from experience. Living in joy, living in love, living and in, in feeling his tangible love for me. These are things I didn't know as a kid. It's only when I began really seeking him out when he entreated me, just like he entreated Ahab. He said to me one day on my 20th birthday, David, find out who I am. You have no idea who I am. I accepted him at the age of seven.
2: No idea who he was.
1: The invitation going forth, guys, is what brings us to healing. If we want to get rid of the poison. We have to first accept His love, begin to draw upon it, meditate on it, or we can continue to say, "You know what, Satan, you're an a-hole, but I kind of like your lies and your belief system. I'm gonna, you know what, I'm gonna choose to believe I'm a, I'm an unworthy sinner saved by grace, and I'm gonna reject God's gift of righteousness. I'm gonna choose to believe what you say. Let's let's call a truce, and I'll." I'll kind of hide from my own wounds and pains by living on this belief system. We can do it. A lot of us are. Man, I've done it. Did it for years. So finally, I had enough. The Lord invited me. The Lord gave me an invitation. I accepted. Never looked back. And every year is more of a blessing than the last year. And for those of you, again, I'll say this really to put in perspective. Enoch was someone who saw a lot of stuff. He saw the coming day of the Lord. He saw the Lord's return. Right? Enoch, was the, Enoch was the first prophet mentioned in Scripture. And Enoch's um, account was one filled with hope and reconciliation. I, I, I do my, a great deal of intercession for the nation, for the body of Christ, and for the lost. A great deal of it. It's, it's part of my calling. That's part of what I'm called to do. Um, I've seen some horrific things that God has asked me to pray for, um, people that are lost and going to hell. I've seen revelation of hell. I've seen revelation of heaven. Uh, it doesn't make me special. It makes me special as I'm a child of God, just like you. But in all things, Paul said he's learned the secret of peace and contentment and joy. It's knowing our identity in Christ that he loves us unconditionally. So the application, guys, begin looking. 2 Corinthians 5, through 21. We're going to end with this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, guys, I want you to look at the second half of this verse, starting in verse 20. Remember, Paul is writing to born-again, spirit-filled believers. We therefore, talking to the Corinthian Christians, we therefore, as Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we are the righteousness of God. There's a little Greek word in there that might, that we might become. It doesn't mean if or perhaps. There is no real um, English equivalent. It means you certainly are. That in Christ you certainly have become the righteousness of God. Yet he's saying be reconciled to God. Why? Because even though he just explains you have been made the righteous of Christ, they weren't accepting it. Their soul, their belief system hadn't embraced it yet. Guys, the new covenant is filled with this awesome stuff. We need to get into the new covenant. Find out who we are in him. And that will begin breaking up the fear the need to preserve our own life, the need to, so that we don't feel safe, we don't feel like we can rest, we feel shame and, and anxiety around us. These are demonic strongholds. These are the atmospheres of a demonic kingdom that we partner with through our belief system. We attract whatever it is we come into agreement with. So here's what we do, guys. Application, begin reconciling and forgiving people, we have to first believe and accept that God loves and accepts us unconditionally. He's our heavenly dad. If we're stuck and cannot heal, cannot forgive, cannot be released of fear and anxiety and shame, we haven't done this. We're not embracing that he loves us. And, guys, see, I'll, I'll key you in. This is something just the Holy Spirit just told me while, and many times he'll do this while I'm speaking. I usually don't point it out, but someone
2: needs to hear this. Guys, when we're in the process
1: of, of accepting, of saying, okay, Lord, I, I want to accept you love me. I want to accept that, that you love me unconditionally. Why am I still dealing with so much fear? Why am I still dealing with so much fear of condemnation, of shame that I can't rest? Guys, when we feel that we have to lay down all our defenses, we have to cut the crap. I'm going to be blunt. And we have to ask the Lord to show us, and usually most of the time we're going to know, what area we're just not willing to give him. We're just holding on to something, and we try to barter. And, there, guys, there are no alliances between the sons of God and demons. There are no packs between children of light and the enemies of God's kingdom. We do not compromise in the kingdom. We're children of light. The scriptures say we've been removed out of Satan's kingdom and translated into his, the kingdom of the dear son. So if we are still holding on to something, it means the bottom line at that point right there, there is something we are not giving up to God. Again, guys, please hear me. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean we're falling short. It doesn't mean we're less loved or special. Any of that stuff is still on a performance rat trap. We have to pull out our shirt, rip open our, our, our chest bare before him and say, Lord, I accept. I am nothing, but in you, I am everything. In you, I am accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1.6. He has made us accepted in the beloved. He is our Everything. We're nothing by ourselves, but in him, we are everything in his eyes. And you can't earn it, and you can't barter it away, and you can't compromise. There are no pacts between the sons of God and demons. Not if we want to walk in that love and peace and victory. So praise God, guys. He wants to deliver this generation of the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of shame and condemnation. Some of us, we look like our lives are doing great, but we hold unforgiveness toward our wives, our husbands, our friends, estranged family members, other members in the body of Christ that don't believe the same things we do. Some of us are just in bondage to fear and shame, waiting for the Lord's judgment to come and fall on us because we don't recognize that judgment was already – the wrath of God was already satisfied in Christ. He'll come back, and then one day he'll wipe away all sin. That's coming. That shouldn't be our focus. If that's our focus on living in this generation, we've got a serious problem, because God did not reconcile us to then just look for uh, the judgments to come. Because if He wanted us to just just be with him instantly in heaven, not deal with it, the second we accepted Christ, we'd just be struck dead, we'd die, go to heaven. He came to give us back what Adam forfeited. It's a life of peace. It's a life of dominion. It's a life of sharing that love with others. But first, we need to heal. So anyway, praise God. Ran a little bit over it. Keep getting closer and closer to 30 minutes, but just not there yet. I hope this was a blessing. Guys, go to my website, dwmurray.com. There's other broadcasts. There's other teachings and scriptures. I have sections, entire sections on this. It's a free PDF on the identity we have in Christ Download it, read it, get into the word of God, get into the scriptures, guys. Um, anyway, praise God. Dorothy, thank you as always for the honor of being able to come on here and to teach and to share with the body of Christ some things that are on Father's heart. So thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> that was a good lesson. Well, you. Yeah, yeah, the Lord's transitioning me and how I'm teaching. Guys, the, the scripture can be broken up into um, explanation and application. And I've been teaching on the kingdom for about three and a half years now. I'm going to begin moving into application. I'm going to begin taking out the scriptures that show us the keys of the kingdom and how these men and women walked it out. So we're going to transition a little bit more in, in, uh, in that style. So praise God. Guys, if this blessed anybody, don't be afraid to share it. Don't be afraid what man thinks. Let it out. Get the word out, guys. God loves us. Let the, uh, let the apples fall from the tree where they are. God got you. He is bigger. He is love. Read 2 Kings. Read the story of Elisha. I challenge you. It is going to blow away some major dark theology we have. Glory to God. Dorothy, you have a wonderful weekend. Have a great night. I will catch up with you offline. And, guys, God bless. I love you, Body of Christ. And until next time, have a wonderful week. Good night, David.
0: This has been Zeal Fear House. David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly Dad loves you deeply. <laughs>